0: Good Coffee Shop Conversation News. In June, we'll be shooting two new video episodes of the podcast, first since the pandemic. Stay tuned for details. Today, one of my favorite people is in the Artichoke Music Cafe. We met when we were both doing shows at KMHD, when it was out at Mount Hood Community College. I'm still at KMHD, and she's at KBOO. She is Marcia Hocker. She's also a singer and just wrapped up several years working with PDX Jazz few weeks ago she emceed and sang as part of the siren nation billy holiday tribute show and she's got this great radio voice meet marcia hocker marcia i have to say we have been sitting here talking i hate that because you know, i whenever i hear uh, whenever i hear a podcast and somebody says that i'm going like Well, I wish I could have heard that, and uh, and I wish you could have heard that too, but you didn't, Uh, audience. Anyway, it has been quite a while since we've seen each other. Yes, it has. It's always nice to see you. Likewise. Um, I think the last time was when we were testifying before the board at Mount Hood Community College.
1: Amen, brother.
0: To (laughs) stop them from doing something really stupid and taking back the KMHD license, and that's where we first met at KMHD.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I was there when you came on board.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and I was the um, the liaison between 63 volunteers, of which I think <laughs> maybe six or seven were women. Right. And uh, I was the voice for the volunteers. And Doug Sweet had uh, given me that opportunity because he strongly felt at the time that he had a voice and the employees had a voice, Yeah. but that the volunteers didn't have someone to speak on their behalf, and so he asked me if I would do it. Right. And I ventured.
0: It got wild there.
1: <laughs> yeah, it did. It did.
0: Um, now, were you there when after Doug left and no one was running the place? I was. That was actually fun for me <laughs> because I could get away with murder. <laughs> And that's how soul music got on that station. Okay. You know? I well, was,
1: rightfully so. I mean, soul well, yeah. is a derivative of jazz. Of course. I mean, you take jazz out of the equation and there is no soul. No. uh
0: uh-uh. So, no. yeah. I, I had that four-hour shift on Saturday nights. That's right. And the second, the second two hours, I turned into a bar. For <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like,
1: <laughs> that's right. And I would think it was like a... Uh, Jill the Bartender from yeah, Jackie Gleason, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what it reminded me of, which is a fond memory, actually. Yeah, yeah
0: really, it was fun. Um, <laughs> but I remember the first night I played, I think it was the Delphonics or something, right? Yeah. And I started getting phone calls, and you would have thought I had murdered Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm telling you, oh, goodness, like I stood there with a gun in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> and done something personally to every every listener who didn't like it.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, the listeners have have their opinions. I'm reminded of just because of your story, I, I'm reminded of um, uh, the speech that I read the 1962 or 63 speech that the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King gave at the Berlin Festival. He was invited to give the opening remarks. And uh I didn't even know about that until Jan Mancuso oh. uh brought <laughs> it to my attention when I read it. I said, "Oh wow, and this is something that I should share certainly um during Black History Month on behalf of jazz uh-huh. and uh and it and so I put the uh, Cristo Redentor ah. behind it low nice. and I read the um his his welcome." to and his his whole commentary on how important jazz has been to black folks, where it came from, uh-huh. and how it has sustained us through all kinds of things and uh it was a beautiful, absolutely beautiful um, greeting. I got a call from someone <laughs> one of the <laughs> listeners who started screaming and ho- now I oh, did geez. receive some some affirmations people called and said thank you so much that was beautiful (laughs) etc but this guy called up he was screaming to the top of his lungs (laughs) and how could I do such a thing and after all uh Dr. King was nothing more than a second rate low low life and I thought okay and I said (laughs) "Mm -hmm." and then I just simply said I understand and just that was that
0: I remember I got a call one time I was playing Monk And some guy called me up and said, What is that noise?
1: Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's a shallow listener. But
0: going back to what Dr. King was talking about, um, you know, uh, if if there was ever a time where we've needed something to sustain us, what is. Do you you see jazz playing that role anymore?
1: Oh, absolutely. Do you? Yeah. I find that. jazz is uh, is even accelerating in its popularity. People are uh-huh. just kind of going back to it. You know when you think about it Tom uh, jazz is a derivative of gospel and blues, mm-hmm. as you well know. those mm-hmm. are the key components of the music itself and but it came from the um, the plantation mm-hmm. you know you had a people the enslaved people didn't couldn't move an inch in either direction Uh, they were oppressed depressed and suppressed and they had no place to go without being given permission or ordered Mm -hmm. and so what they did for their sanity as a musical people they went to their creativity and created this music they started with the a call and response in Mm -hmm. the fields Uh, and with the call and response uh, gave way to the blues just kind of singing about what was heavy on their hearts, what their challenges were and then when they were able to learn how to read and they were reading scripture well Mm -hmm. uh, there was another opportunity of having a free space (coughs) to go into Mm -hmm. and so with the Two of those, we it gave birth to jazz, which mm-hmm. is why jazz always has that blues and yeah, gospel yeah. Uh, feel
0: to it. And there was a, the Creoles had an input there too.
1: Oh, absolutely, they yeah. did. And that Congo was a, Square, and,
0: and they were a bunch of, of people who were a, a little bit of everything.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, which uh, really um, highlights the beauty of the music of mm-hmm. jazz because mm-hmm. it is an. Incredible Mm exclusive art form Mm -hmm. it is an art form that could have been exclusive if the uh, black folks decided oh well you know this is ours is from us but Mm -hmm. no they opened up their doors opened up their arms and said hey you want to join in come on yeah and um, it's just really uh, I think in answer to your question about if it is if it has a place Mm-hmm. still in our culture absolutely it does yeah. Yeah. yeah you know you have all these you have a number of magazines downbeat jazz times jazz is uh that are writing about the new artists that are coming along mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. and i mean they those magazines are full of artists that are coming from all over the world mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yes very much so and then of course we have we're in Jazz Appreciation Month right now, mm-hmm. the month of April, and that was uh designated so in 2001 by the uh, Smithsonian uh American History Museum. Uh and so once that happened in 2001, so what does that mean? It means that uh Everywhere in the United States, jazz is being promoted, it's being talked about, the compositions, the artists, the journey, the inspiration of it. Uh, And then of course, you've got um, also uh, Jazz, uh, International Jazz Mm -hmm. Day, which is a couple of days away here Mm -hmm. now, uh, where that was designated so by UNESCO the United Nations Education, Science, and Cultural Organization. And that was designated so in 2011.
0: Mm. And
1: so, and that has a global host. Um, Barack Obama's last um, term in office, America was the global host. The right. Fo- the following year, it was Havana, Cuba. And when uh, the actor, Will Smith, walked out on that concert stage in Havana and he gave his salutations, he said, I want you to know that 193 countries are celebrating jazz today. And that blew me away. And I went and I started searching 193 countries. I mean, really? Sure enough, in alphabetical order, countries that it would never even occur to you that they like jazz, but they were having festivals and conversations and concerts, etc. cetera. 193, that says a lot.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And no other genre that has come out of America mm-hmm. is celebrated the way jazz is because mm-hmm. uh, globally, it's global embrace is because of the, uh, they see it as the music of freedom the music of mm-hmm. dignity, creativity, inclusiveness, and it has a great deal of respect.
0: Mm-hmm. Also, the, the whole concept of Jazz Without Boundaries now has really taken hold. I mean, it's, it, there, there, I mean, it's, it's always been, but I think that uh, when the Art Ensemble of Chicago started saying, we're playing music from ancient to the future, Remember, that was in their little, that was, that was part of their motto. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, I, that seems to be uh, what's happening. And that's why, you know, you can have a variety of music and still fall under jazz. Absolutely. Even if you don't want to call it jazz. And a lot of people don't. Right. Because it's like, it's like people who are not baseball fans. <laughs> you know, <laughs> They don't want to, they don't want to talk about baseball because it's not cool, you know. But, uh, and I think there's, there's, there's jazz is, is somewhat like that, but then you find people, you know, playing a stuff that's like jazz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. You know. you know, I'm reminded of the other aspect of its uh, inclusivity is around social issues and political issues. Uh-huh. Jazz has always taken that on, and uh, we still have artists today. Uh, Clifton Anderson, who's a trombonist out of Harlem, I uh, just came out with a new release and the name of his CD is uh, Been Down This Road Before. Uh-huh. And uh, you have Danny Glover and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar that mm-hmm. are doing the spoken word on that recording, uh, the title cut. Yeah. And, uh, and then I think about uh, Tony Bennett and <laughs> his um, inclusiveness in terms of our current artists, where he started duetting and doing recordings with them. But Tony Bennett goes way back uh, in San Francisco when he and his friend, uh, they were in the military, and they came home on leave, Uh and they went to uh, a a bar in San Francisco, and um, they ordered, and Tony's drink came, And his black friends' drink did not, so Uh they're waiting and waiting, and it didn't. And (coughs) Tony said, "You know, hey, you know, where's, where's my friend's drink?" And the bartender said, "We don't serve his kind in here." (laughs) And Tony, and walked out. (laughs) You know, Uh, you've got, of course, Frank Sinatra, who uh, had the strength of his convictions, and. Organized his group of friends that ultimately were called the Rat Pack. He never right. liked it. He always wanted it to be called the them to be called the Summit. But here I he was. I think Rat Pack is closer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Actually. <laughs> but here he was um, making his statement. Yeah. Uh, you know which took a lot of courage I mean he he was the reason why Sammy was able to walk through the front door and Nat King Cole in Las Vegas right which was their aka was Mississippi West
0: yep Yep. it's funny there's there's all kinds of I I I ran across a song that came out a year or two ago by a woman named Renee Marie Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. it's called this is not a protest song Mm
1: Mm-hmm. you know
0: that song yes my God, mm-hmm. it's about homelessness, but it's about more about commitment to 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 solving things it's what a what a wonderful song
1: yes yeah i in fact, I include her in my lineup of yeah. vocalists on my show yeah uh one of the unique things about her is that uh when she realized that this is what she wanted to pursue, uh, she was bound to determine that she was going to uh, compose her own songs uh-huh. and write her own lyrics uh-huh. and we were fortunate to have her out here really? in portland yeah she performed at uh jimmy max ah. uh and uh imc that show did you? Uh, very nice very uh accessible woman just really cool ah. yeah ah. very devoted to the art form to our social uh, yeah, well, that's obvious. and yeah, political, yeah. yeah.
0: And a voice.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, wow. she's terrific.
0: Tell me about your show. What are you doing these days?
1: So I'm with KBU, KB yes. Radio. We know and that. I'm on, I host every other Wednesday uh-huh. from noon to 2, and <laughs> I alternate with Nick Geffro. Nick Geffro invited me on after I was at, off of KMHD for, I guess I was about... Uh, four or five years and he said all right Marcia come on co-host with me you can <laughs> have every other Wednesday I said what time do you because my schedule was nuts I was still with PDX Jazz yeah. at the time yeah. and I was doing all kinds of things for PDX Jazz so I just um, well I said okay well I'll give it a try so that's how I started and I've been with uh, k every other Wednesday for the past oh five years now. What are you playing? So I play uh, jazz, blues, and Latin grooves. Uh That's my theme. Uh And uh, the best of the classics, uh, contemporary, and everything in between. You know, just uh, a whole host of variety of um, sounds. I even throw some Chaka Khan in there every now and then, and Uh some Curtis Mayfield, because
0: it's relevant. (laughs) So Uh relevant. Uh
1: Um, So,
0: yeah. Yeah, I'm playing some Rufus this week. As a matter of fact.
1: Yeah, I was really surprised when I saw your uh, <laughs> message about WWRL. Oh you yes, blew my hair yes. back. I said yes. WWRL. I remember that's from my hometown. I'm
0: sure. I'm sure you listen to that station. Oh my
1: goodness! There's a Facebook
0: page that that puts up old radio station surveys. You're kidding? Yeah, and I got I got I've got a bunch of them. I got a bunch of them. It's it, fun. You know, there it was the first one was from K-Day in, in Los Angeles, uh-huh. which was the soul station in Los Angeles, the top soul station in Los Angeles. And um, what I did was it was their top 30, but I only chose from the bottom 15, oh. which was interesting. It <laughs> yeah, just made yeah. it more interesting because everybody knows the hits, right? Right. Uh, and that, that's fine, but, but you know I don't, I don't do an oldie show necessarily. Yeah. I mean, I, w- I will when it's relevant, but, um, but a lot of these songs were from people that you know. But it just this didn't make it up the charts, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean there were bad songs, mm-hmm. you know, or bad performances. But anyway, so that was pretty interesting. And I did, so I did WWRL. Uh, uh, oh
1: my goodness, that yeah, just yeah. Uh, you took me back, <laughs> because I knew uh, two of the DJs on there, Jerry Bledsoe, who had an absolutely uh-huh. great voice, and Eddie OJ. It's who the OJs were named after. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In yeah. fact, Eddie, um, I was Miss Subways at the time, Eddie. Uh, (laughs) came after
0: me. (laughs) Speaking of which, Uh, our mutual friend Jan Mancuso sent me some information about that. We'll get to that in a minute.
1: Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Well, um, Eddie uh, was on WWRL, Uh and so he, I was um, uh, quite uh, the little starlet at that time. And he said, well, come on, you know, we... You know, he would mention me on on WWRL on his morning show, Uh and he would invite me to different things, uh, music events Uh and and what have you. And so I got to know Eddie, and uh, that was really cool. Yeah, (laughs) he was a character. Um, Lively, effervescent, yeah, Yeah, quite. In fact, I I have a, a black and white photo of Eddie OJ, myself, Donnie Hathaway, and Barbara Harris, who was the first uh-huh. woman at Atlantic Records. Uh-huh. Yeah, so um, that when that's why when I saw WWRL, I went. <laughs> it was like I was in a time machine.
0: Well, you know, I mean, as important as the music <laughs> was to us, soul disc jockeys were like vital. Oh yeah, that's right. I mean, that was they were they were the ones who who, who were the, who kept the rhythm. Oh yeah. You know, Very the song, like so. the song in the day jumped in was something wonderful. Right. Mm-hmm. My hero was a guy named Hot Rod. Who was I mean, he was in New York, too. Yeah. But he mostly was mostly he was in Baltimore. OK. And he was my hero. I got actually, you know, years later, I got decades later. I got to do a TV story on him. And and, uh, uh, and he was a, I, he, he had uh, he had the two hundred dollar tongue twister. He had this one thing really? he would say was Vosa. <laughs> nobody knew what that meant. And it didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it did mean something, but yeah. but nobody knew what it what it meant. Yeah. You None know, of his listeners did anyway, you know? Yeah. And so <laughs> I have an air check I play on my show sometimes. Oh wow. hot rods. Yeah. Maurice Holbert was mm. his name. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but
1: the other uh DJ uh, the other uh station in New York was W L I B. Oh sure. And L I B was a smoking, Frankie Crocker. Yes, yes. heavens yes. 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 And so um, and so we were like between W W R L which would our clock radio would go off in the morning with WWRL, <laughs> or or L I B. Yeah. And I remember I was hanging with L I B because L. I B was playing more jazz. Right. And so Uh, one morning the clock went off and it was nothing but static and we said hey what's going on here Uh. and so we thought oh they're having you know technical difficulties so the next morning sure enough it went off again and it was static well the third morning I was it came on and it was static and I was just getting ready to switch back to WWRL when Frankie Crocker came on and he said good morning and welcome to WBLS Radio, <laughs> World Black and Latin Sounds, and took off. And the first track he played was James Moody's "Last Train from Overbrook." Whoa! I was like, "That's it, hook!" All right. I was an instant fan. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. So Lib, I, uh, uh, Lib changed over yeah. to um, right.
0: Yeah. So you're doing a little Frankie Crocker <laughs> on the radio, right? <laughs> Is that what you're doing? Well, yeah, yeah, actually. Well, that's what we do. Yeah. You know, I it's, mean, that's 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 the, that's no the matter if it's broadcasting or music. That's right. You know. That's right. There's always something of the of the people who who influenced you right in there. Oh, clearly. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I wanted to be hot rod. I just, well, I wanted to be all the bass in the doo-wop group, yeah, too. Yeah, that's I mean, right. Because that's, that's what boys wanted, you know, mm-hmm. mostly. <laughs> Either the bass man or the high tenor. Yeah. They're the ones who got noticed.
1: Well, radio was just very exciting. I mean, radio was a, yeah. a part of our lives. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. even even before, for me in um growing up in our household what we listened to was Mm wnew and i mean that was the that was the station our parents had on in the house that's what we had to listen to (laughs) well you had um uh wnew was fabulous Mm -hmm. i mean they played everything Uh and then you had uh, a special um specialty shows uh, w, uh, William B. Williams did the Make Believe Ballroom uh-huh. and where he'd have all the big bands and the big band recordings which was fabulous uh, he, and he played all the artists. He played Billy Eckstein, Joe Williams, Perry Como, Tony Bennett, Frank Sinatra, uh-huh. you name it, he played them all. Yeah. It was an inclusive, beautiful uh-huh. experience uh-huh. and they had the coolest Station IDs. Oh, Uh W N E W. They had, they really did, and they had a variety of them. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay. Now, speaking of those days, our friend Jan Mancuso sent me this.
1: (laughs) Jan.
0: And uh, it's about um, someone named Marcia Kirkpatrick.
1: (laughs) Marcia Kill. Kill Patrick. Sorry. Kill.
0: Yeah. Looks like you. Yeah, that's How How old were you then?
1: Twenty-four. Wow.
0: What was Miss Subways? Because it has nothing to do with sandwiches.
1: <laughs> but interesting, you say that. That is where they. That is why they named their sandwich place, those heroes' place, Miss Subways.
0: Really? Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and well, it was the the actual subway, and that. Well, okay. So Miss Subway. Where else
0: can you find out information like that except on this podcast? I ask you. <laughs>
1: Well, uh, Miss Subway's was a contest that began back in 1942 or 3. I'm Uh not exactly sure, but it was in the 40s. Yeah. Pardon me. It's okay. And um,
0: it... You're allowed to cough, cuss, do anything (laughs) you want, okay?
1: (laughs) Thanks. Um, And it... uh, it began back then, and uh-huh. because there were millions of people using the subway, yeah, and the subway um, at that time, our economy, America's economy, was tanked, and in in every subway car, there is a space, anybody's been in New York for advertisement, yeah. So they got this idea that if they had a photo of a young woman who, (laughs) uh, in addition to wanting to be a wife and a mom, (laughs) that she had some aspirations about making a contribution to Uh her community, that this would be something inspirational for the subway riders. And so the contest began, and the first... uh, the first winner of the concert contest was Mona Freeman, Ah. the actress. Uh And um, uh, who later uh, was uh, was helped by Howard Hughes Mm. in a few of the movies that she was in. Anyway, so this was something they wanted to do. And so if you won the contest, your photo went up. And the way you would selected to be in the Subways is that all the New Yorkers would have to vote. <laughs> Everybody that rode the subway had an address. You had to uh, uh, s- write out a postcard. And <laughs> so what happened was and had I known, well this is radio so you wouldn't know but uh, had I known I would have brought you a couple of uh, books that it wound up being in. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I decided I wanted to get discovered. <laughs> I was working for, uh, I was working in corporate America at the time, uh-huh. but I always had an artistic side, which organically is who I am. Yeah, And so I said, oh, and I'm, we're living in Queens and St. Albans, like, uh-huh. a, like uh, less than two blocks from Count and Catherine Basie and huh. Roy Campanella and, uh-huh. um, Oh my goodness! Illinois jacket uh-huh. uh wild Bill davis russell jacket I mean they were all out there in wow. this area, and so i of course uh my job was in Manhattan, so mm-hmm. I would take the bus to the subway station and then and that's how I saw miss subways and i thought uh-huh. oh if i could that'd be free advertisement, maybe I can get discovered yeah and so <laughs> i i uh called to find out, you know, how, how do you get to enter the contest? And um, Mr. Spalding, who was the head of the New York Subway Advertising Company, uh, said, well, you just have to send in an 8x10 and uh, <laughs> a little bit of a resume about yourself. And uh, But I have to give you, you know, he said to me, he was very stern, he said, I have to give you a fair warning that." Uh, we are looking at approximately 200, 250 photos, and uh, we have to narrow it down to six. Huh. And I said, "Okay." <laughs> so, I sent in and my 8 by 10, and he called me in for an interview after I don't know a month or so, and um, and I told him some of my aspirations. I wanted uh-huh. to study with the negro ensemble company i Uh wanted to go into acting i wanted to sing i wanted Uh to so he said okay and um he said well we'll give you our decision and uh i about two weeks later he called me and he said okay (coughs) pardon me you are uh one of the six contestants wow Mm -hmm. and so i uh my picture went up. Oh, and by the way, it's just really interesting because this is a, a uh, contest that's cherished by New Yorkers. Yeah. I didn't know that. Really? I, at the time, I didn't know the <laughs> widespread love for the contest. Ah. Um, anyway, uh, the photographer was Kriegman, and Kriegman was a photographer that, at the time, was taking photos of all the starlets, uh, Mm-hmm. All of the aspiring artists, Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis, huh? I mean, he, he was famous. And that's who we went to, uh-huh. the contestants went to, to get their picture taken. Wow. So, And his name is on that poster. Huh? And uh, so anyway, lo and behold, um, my photo along with uh, five other ladies, all, fi- all six of us were on this one poster, and it says... Huh? who is your choice for Miss Subway's for (laughs) 1974 it was. And so please send in a postcard. So sure enough, um, my dad was at the 109 precinct in Flushing. He was a police officer. Uh So he took a stack of, it was like a campaign. (laughs) He took a stack of postcards, put it on the sergeant's desk, and said, Get the precinct to sign them. My daughter's running for Miss Subway's, okay? Uh, my mom worked for the second largest textile house in the garment district, uh-huh. Loomskill, and she was the receptionist there. And so she said, My daughter's running for Miss Subway. All the salesmen need to sign the and she had a stack. <laughs> my sister was working for a law firm, my younger brother was working uh, at a bank, and I was at the New York City Off-Track Betting Corporation. <laughs> and so, um, people were signing the cards after they signed everybody in their family, they put their dog's name down, the <laughs> cat's name down, send the cards in, and it turned out that I came in second place. Oh! Uh, Sonia Dominguez came in first place so that meant and it and the contestant card was up until uh let's see it ran from april to may yeah april may because in june sonia sonia dominguez her picture went up uh until october and then mine went up until the next miss subway Uh was uh Selected, huh. So that's how huh. I got into that. And uh, I got to study with the Negro Ensemble Company, which wow. was a fabulous experience mm-hmm. for me because I was really pretty shy,
0: uh-huh.
1: uh, believe it or not. I, I was so shy. People would say hello to me. I'd go, hello.
0: But confident. And look down. But you were confident.
1: Yeah, I had some measure. Where, of did, the, where, where did that confidence <coughs> come from? I don't, you know, uh, I think probably my uh, dad and... My mm-hmm. mom, uh, who would say, come sing for us. I was mm-hmm. like three years old, I remember, yeah. being two or three years old. We l- we lived in the Patterson Projects in the Bronx, uh, which wasn't far from the Third Avenue Bridge, which wasn't mm-hmm. far from Yankee Stadium. Uh, my dad was a rookie on the force, and I remember um, my, par- my older brother, he was five years older than me, and my parents having a Victrola, and yeah. they have they would put a record on. And I, the next thing they knew, I had the whole song <laughs> memorized and I was humming and singing around the, house, uh, around the <laughs> apartment. And so they, they would have friends come over and they'd say, Marcia, come sing us a song. And the first song I remember singing was You're Just Too Marvelous. <laughs> and, I, and there would be no record on or anything and they'd say, just sing the song. And I'd stand there in the living room and I'd sing the song for them, and I'd take the little pauses because in my head I was hearing the orchestra do their part, and then I'd sing the song, and so they they noticed that, and um, uh, so they would just ask me to sing. Little did I know that, you know, as I became an adult and I got married to an American diplomat, that that would serve me really well overseas. Uh huh. I had no idea, you know. Marcia, sing us a song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it did. <laughs> it's been an adventure. <laughs> so, anyway, that was my Miss Subways. So I got to, yeah. um, I was invited uh, to uh, a play on Broadway ca- uh, entitled Come Dance with Me. Uh-huh. Their whole stage w- took place in a subway car, <laughs> and they had their 100th performance. And they found me at uh, Off Track Betting and said, "Come and cut our ribbon for the one hundredth <laughs> performance, and and um, cut the cake with us." Great! So that was yeah, cool. Nice. And then I got to speak. I was invited to speak uh, at different um, uh, events for youth uh-huh. that were up and coming, and yeah. uh, I was panic-stricken doing that, but I did it.
0: Well, you just did the you just emceed for the Billie Holiday yeah show. Um, for um, um the, siren. the S- siren siren nation the siren nation yeah, yeah 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 uh december was a guest on the podcast a few weeks back and did you get to talk about billy Holiday or uh at all yes
1: in fact i did the research and i uh everything uh all of the historical pieces in between the mm-hmm. artists mm-hmm. were um, ah. were the was the information that i provided
0: What were you looking for to to communicate about Billie?
1: About her artistry, mainly. Yeah. Um, I didn't dwell on her hardships. Uh I did mention, uh, probably in the second portion of the narration, I did mention that she um, derived a great deal of comfort from the music of Louis Armstrong and Bessie Smith Mm -hmm. because she was in such a, um, she had such a deprived childhood. And so, uh, I did mention that, but I really focused a great deal on her artistry, the doors that she was knocking down, Mm -hmm. uh, what she was able to do for someone that didn't read music, uh, and uh, just her her human experiences, her life experiences, is what she poured into the message of the songs. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. that's what I was looking for mainly. Yeah. And to give her kudos, she was, yes, she was tormented and, and dogged by the U.S. government, uh, certainly. But she was having quite an impact and, of yes. course, uh, strange fruit. Uh, written as a poem by a Jewish educator yeah. uh, was something that she took on mm-hmm. and that she felt very personally and she took a lot of heat for that. Yeah. Even going yeah. to jail.
0: Yeah. yeah. Ever seen that statue of her?
1: I you know In I Baltimore. Yes. When I was doing the research I yeah, saw it and I, I, I said, Wow yeah, I was—I yeah. had never uh, seen that before. Yeah, and
0: it's totally in the hood. Nobody. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's uh, appropriately exactly, exactly.
1: Yeah. 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 It really—it uh, just in my research, it really gave me uh, more of an in-depth appreciation,
2: uh-huh.
1: uh, and it was really heartrending, her yeah, yeah. her journey. You yeah. know because children they don't ask to be born right and uh the hardships that she went through and what she was facing was mm-hmm.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. well it's good that you can do that yeah you know i'm glad they ask you yeah yeah,
1: yeah, yeah it's my second year i did it in 2019 uh renee mitchell uh-huh. was doing it before me, and she recommended to december uh-huh. uh that she contact me and so I did it uh-huh. on the nineteenth uh in twenty nineteen rather and uh this time uh December asked me to sing so uh i decided okay i 'll do that i was I was kind of a wreck because i when I got to the Alberta rose theater uh I had never met the drummer. I oh. had never met the bassist. We had never had huh. a rehearsal. I had maximum three telephone calls with uh, Laura Kennard who got me in my key and that was it. Wow. And whereas the other artists were all you know, rehearsed with their ensembles and I'm getting up there and I, so I did it and- What did you sing? I sang two ballads, and one up tempo. So the first song was uh, "My Ideal," mm-hmm. and the second was uh, "There'll Be Some Changes Made," mm-hmm. and then the third was um, uh, "Let's See." It escapes me at the it's moment. Okay.
0: Um, happens. So I
1: fall in love too easily. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. That's what I did. So
0: were you comfortable with it?
1: I felt I wasn't sure. And you know, when when the taping was finished, the bass player, bless his heart, said, um, well, that was a good rehearsal. <laughs> because we had never <laughs> met. And I was like, no, oh. Sometimes
0: rehearsals are, are better, uh, actually. You know? Well, I
1: said, it is jazz after all, and it is improv, and so yeah. I did a jam session. Yeah yeah Well, really.
0: so,
2: really.
1: Yeah, so I I was kind of sweating it uh, I w- uh-huh. I was looking more forward to my narration than I was to the singing but when I saw the singing I said okay I didn't embarrass myself <laughs> <laughs> So I was like
0: <laughs> well okay I know that you're not with the the uh, PDX Jazz anymore and we don't have to go into that but uh, you were there for a long time what did you do what did you do for them
1: well, uh, when they drafted me onto the board uh, after the at the close of the very first meeting, uh, Don Lukoff said to me, "Marcia, you're going to be the head of education." <laughs> I said, "I am." <laughs> he said, "Yes." I said, "Well, what does that entail?" Yeah. He says, "Well, we have a, um, a a program, an hour-long program, that uh, we ta- that goes around to the schools." I said, "Okay." So I learned about that. And it was with a live ensemble, uh, a sextet, uh, with a live narration, and um, it it goes through the history of mm-hmm. jazz. I've seen it. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, I wound up uh, performing in it. Uh, I was asked by the pianist at the time, uh, Marcus Reynolds, to mm-hmm. participate. So I started participating by uh, scatting with. Uh, Stan Bach who was in the ensemble and and he's like a king scatterer yeah and so uh, I did that and then um, I uh, put forth the idea of inviting the students to scat Uh so I found a nice little rhythm (laughs) and I had them repeat after me so that became a part of the program as well Mm, and uh, and as the coordinator of it I just went around to the schools. I sent uh, invitations out to the schools, to the principals, music teachers, and uh, explaining what the program was about and asked them if they'd be interested in a live performance. Mm -hmm. And the ensemble we had was really beautiful because, I mean, jazz musicians by nature, they're night folks. Mm -hmm. Uh, And here they were getting up really early to give performances at 9.30 in the morning mm-hmm. or 11 o'clock, you know. Some, some of the performances were in the afternoon. So that's mm-hmm. one of the things I did. Uh, and I attended um, many of the meetings around town, making connections with the Portland Art Museum mm-hmm. um, and a host of other uh, rack and uh, representatives in the community from uh, the schools who were very focused on bringing more and more uh, music and art into the schools. Yeah. So I was yeah. meeting all over town yeah. in multiple meetings, going to various performances that were provided for students at mm-hmm. the uh, Schnitz, Schnitzer and um, just a whole host of things, promoting it yeah. in every way I could. So that was one thing I did. Uh, I was there, one of their go to MCs. Right. Uh, and uh, I usually wrote what I spoke about on stage because a lot of times the information that was submitted t- to the MCs, some oftentimes the written word is not <laughs> easy for the spoken word. So I'd have to rearrange I things. Run across
0: that many, 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 time. many, many times.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Uh, So so I did that as well. And uh, one of the things that they said when I was drafted onto the board was they made it crystal clear that we were to be ambassadors. Yeah. And that we were to go around and show up in the community. And so... You know, it was pretty much like when I was with KMHD. If I showed up somewhere, then people said, oh, KMHD is in the house. Well, when I showed up somewhere for PDX Jazz, it was PDX Jazz is in the house. And I worked on um, quite a number of uh, connections with uh, organizations in the community, and particularly the black community, because we wanted the black community to come out to these uh, performances. And uh, so I made uh, a fair amount of inroads there, which uh, I was very happy to do and very proud to do. Um, so that was uh, another thing. I chaired the education committee. Uh, it was a busy time. Yeah. I also was on the uh, marketing committee. I sat on the program committee with Terry Courier and uh, Steven Cantor, Poncho, Savory, and uh whoever the president was of PDX jazz at the time and um so i was busy yeah for well
0: meetings. they're probably going to have had to find several people to replace you <laughs> one person i don't think they could i know you don't want to get into why why you're not there and that's okay but uh it's a shame it's a I miss mean, too but i'm sure that you know i'm sure that you're missed thank you yeah i yeah. appreciate that yeah Well, you never know what's next. Never. (laughs) Oh. Yeah.
1: I mean, if you were to tell me that I was going to be emceeing a a Billie Holiday tribute that is now in its 15th year. Yeah. They missed a year because of COVID. Right. uh, And uh, not only emceeing it, but then performing in it, I would have said, you're kidding. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So it's nice to be able to be asked to do some things. When we lost um, our dear, beloved Commissioner Nick Fish... Uh-huh. Uh, I was uh, invited uh, by Nick himself. He uh-huh. On his deathbed, he told his wife he wanted uh, the only music he wanted was for me to sing, and uh-huh. for Daryl Grant to accompany me. Nice. And so it took place at Portland State University, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and uh, I, y- you know, it was I was a mess for. Two weeks because we were really close. George was his public advocate. Yeah, um, for what was supposed to be a year, it wound up being six and a half years. Huh. Um, and uh, Nick was it, he was a New Yorker, and so right. we really bonded. Uh-huh. And so, uh, and he even came out to PDX uh, to uh, KHD uh-huh. when I was—we uh, were pitching for membership, uh-huh. and he's, he I remember him calling me saying, "Marcia." And I had met him, like, maybe six or so months before. He says, Marcia, hi, it's Nick Fish. I said, hi, Nick. And he <laughs> said, I'm on my way. Where? <laughs> Here. I'm on my way out there to help you pitch. And he <laughs> stayed with me for two hours. That's great. And this was when we were at the college. And yeah. that's, why yeah. the AKA, uh-huh. <laughs> that's why I gave him the A.K.A., our jazz commissioner. That's why I gave him that. Is that right? Yeah. That's nice. And so, um, anyway, he... Uh, he told his wife he wanted me to sing and Daryl to accompany me and uh, that was a real my goodness, a challenging thing Um, but I, uh, what came to me was to sing uh, I'll Be Seeing You and I just did Uh it with, I uh, modified it by saying we'll be seeing you and so um, and then the other thing I wanted to leave on a happy note Uh and so I rewrote the words to the tune, the jazz standard, I'll remember April, and Uh it was I'll I'll remember Nick.
0: Nice.
1: Yeah, I'll send you the the video of it if you'd like. Yeah, and um, so yeah, uh, so Nick was uh, quite, listen, Nick Fish was the reason why the PDX Jazz Festival didn't go under. Is that right? Oh yeah. Absolutely. He was the one that, uh, with Sono uh uh-huh. said, oh my goodness. He called me in his office. He said, what's going on with PDXJS? This was like 2008, 9 2009. KMHD we oh, yeah. was still at the college. Yeah. And yeah. it was faltering. It was right. the 60th anniversary uh-huh. of Love. Blue Note, I think, at right. the time. Right. And um, he said, what's going on? We can't let this happen. Tell me what you know. I'll, I'll get my colleagues together. Bless his precious heart, and yeah. he did. Yeah. And it was because of his effort with uh, Mr. DeSono that we got Alaska Airlines.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. That was Nick hmm. Fish.
0: Wow. Yeah. Well, I know that uh, whatever you do next, you'll know, something to look forward to. Thank you. And uh, thanks for coming in today. Thanks for your time. It's been lovely. Thank you, and, Tom. Uh, uh, and, uh, Good
1: yeah. to see you. Thank yeah. you for thinking of me. Yeah. Thank you
0: for asking me. And like we always say at the end of these things, that's entertainment. <laughs> <laughs>